702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Live, online. The 702 app, DSTV Channel 856, 92.7 and 106 FM. Coming up on the show today, Cope looks for a replacement for the Joburg Speaker, Colleen Makobele. Action SA wants a council sitting. The IEC gives an update on its readiness for the upcoming registration weekend. Jobs numbers are out. There's an improvement. And more storms expected in Gauteng and a heat warning for Cape Town. All of that over the next hour. 702. Let's walk the talk. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Midday Report on 702 and Cape Talk with me, Mandy Wiener. Good to be with you today. Jobs numbers are out. And finally, we are back to pre-COVID levels. So there's been an improvement in employment. The number is still really not good uh, for South Africans. Total employment has increased by 399,000 to 16.7 million in the third quarter. So that's uh, that's an increase. Is the eighth consecutive increase. It's the second largest increase since the fourth quarter of 2021. So um, it's surpassed the pre-COVID level of 16.4 million employed people. But it's still uh, really concerning, the fact that we have so many unemployed people in South Africa. Uh, The Northwest recorded the highest expanded unemployment rate, and this is all for the third quarter. We will speak to the Statistician General a bit later on, but I'd love to hear from you whether or not you've noticed an increase in employment. What's your anecdotal experience out there? It's still really difficult to find a job. Send me a WhatsApp voice note, 072-702-1702-072-567-1567. Well, let's start in the city of Joburg now because the Congress of the People, COPE, are expected to hold talks to try and find a replacement for the Joburg Council Speaker, Colleen Makabele. She was fired from the party by Mosiwa Lakota, who is still the leader of COPE. Uh, They announced the termination of Makabele's membership on Monday. If you drive around Joburg, you will see posters everywhere. And everywhere I've gone today, I've seen posters for the South African Rainbow Alliance. It's a new multi-party alliance. And whose face is on these posters? Colleen Makobele. And when I first saw these, I thought, hmm, that's a bit strange. I wonder why Colleen Makobele in her orange attire is on these SARA posters. So SARA has several small political organizations that are campaigning under one banner ahead of the elections next year. But what COPE is saying and what Bosiwa Lakota is saying is that Makobele was never given the go-ahead to sign COPE into this SARA alliance, but she's gone ahead and done it. Her face is on all the posters. So that's where we are at the moment. Action SA wants a council sitting to elect a new Joburg speaker. So let's get a, an update on what's happening in the city of Joburg now with Tiddy Madia, EWN's Associate Politics Editor. Tiddy, good afternoon to you. As things stand, what is Colleen Makubele's status in the city of Joburg and in COPE? Good afternoon, Mandy. I think as far as COPE is concerned, the party's made it clear that booted are out. But what is odd for me, defining carry on for me, what's strange is Mutual Lukota they did not give her permission to sign on to Sarah. But if you look at videos promoting this particular alliance, Mutual Lukota was present. So I'm waiting to hear from the other side what is the actual picture. They have a media briefing tomorrow. Just to quickly catch you up on that side of things. But as far as the city of Germany is concerned, I spoke to a couple of people from the, it's called the MP, the PNC, the Political Management Council, which COPE was a part of, and that's so-called Union Speaker. And they're saying that they're waiting for COPE 
to replace Kalin as a councillor, but they will make a decision themselves as the PMC. That's the Patriotic Alliance, ESS, ASC, and other smaller parties about who should replace her as a speaker. So from what they sound like is that they've already counted her out. But because she's been terminated as a party member, of course, that, that's represented in council, from where they stand, her seat is gone. She's no longer a member of council. So if she's no longer a member of council, does she automatically uh, no longer uh, remain as the speaker? We know that there's been an issue like this in the past with Colleen Makobele, and she's managed to to keep fighting and retain that position. Uh, what is she saying about all of this? Has she said anything? She's keeping mum and I've been calling Colleen for days on end. And of course, this is the Sarah actually. And her phone has just been left unattended. But she actually dropped this alert now. And I said to her, I've been looking for you. And she said, yes. Everything will be revealed tomorrow. So there's a big thing about what will happen tomorrow. I think it's important what you're flagging there about how she's attempt to remove her and speak in the past. And I think you must expect her to put up a fight against Coast and against her removal from the city as speaker. I expect nothing less from somebody like Kolima Kubel, who's pretty much come from nowhere to become a leader in court. In fact, if you think about it, Mandy, she's kind of the most prominent leader. You don't see Mutu on the quota anywhere. What you often see is Kolima Kubel. So I think she'll fight for that. So we'll kind of have to wait until tomorrow to see what she has to say. Tidi, in, the, in a holistic take on all of this, how relevant does COPE remain in our political landscape? Because they still seem to, to frequently uh, make headlines. People still talk about them. They still have this position as speaker in, in Joburg. But how relevant are they really? Not much, man. Not at all. In terms of numbers in the national legislature and in the council, they haven't been relevant. What's been interesting about COPE is that like much many of the smaller parties, it's managed to find some way to have a stake and to shift the way we understand local politics, local government politics. And I think what they're clamoring for and what the fight is, is in the hope that they'll have a similar role when it comes to provincial elections and national elections. Mandy, as you know, how things is being um, is being predicted to, to go under coalitions. So parties like Coke want to be at the table and make some determination. So the rise of smaller parties have have been what gives it leverage. But if we're to be honest about the bigger picture, I think it's long lost credibility, long lost relevance. I mean, I spoke to Dennis Bloom as well in the middle of all of this, and he said nothing about what's happened to Coast is surprising. This is a party really on its deathbed. And the worst thing is the leader, Mutua Lukota, is so fighting to remain present, yet when you look at the body politic, the dialogue, anything that happens in the country, his voice is nowhere. It only emerges in the middle of squabbles within this party that's dying. City, thank you very much. City Madia, the EWN Associates Politics Editor. <laughs> My mistake again. Uh, let's get uh, some further commentary on this from Nubukhle Mtembo, who is the Action SA caucus leader. Action SA is calling for a council sitting to elect a, a new Joburg speaker. They want an extraordinary council sitting. Uh, Nubukhle, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time today. Uh, firstly, just for clarity, as far as you're concerned, uh, is there a vacancy as speaker in the city of Joburg? Thank you, Mindy, for the insight and a good afternoon to your listeners as well. Yes, as far as we are concerned, there is a vacancy in the city of Transbeck for a speaker. Hence, we wrote that email and that um, letter urging the city manager to call an urgent council sitting so we can elect a new speaker. 
Speaking of that, um, the question of the city manager is also up in the air because there was a court judgment uh, against the city manager. My understanding is that Floyd Brink is still the city manager, though, pending the appeal process. Uh, do you agree with that? Yes, you are right. Um, he's still the city manager because they did decide to appeal the court judgment. So it's still sitting in the court of the law. How much does this instability affect service delivery in the city of Joburg? The fact that there are these issues now around the speaker, um, there are concerns around the city manager as well. What are your concerns about service delivery in the city of Joburg? Look, um, it's no secret that service delivery has taken a back seat. Hence, as Action SA, we've tried on numerous occasions um, to submit motion of no confidence against um, Councillor Colleen Makubele, well, now she's not a councillor. Um, we did speak out and say that on numerous occasions, um, she failed to act in the best interest of the municipality, and she continuously acted in such a manner that the credibility and the integrity of the municipality were compromised. In her whole tenure, court cases have been business of the day. Um, you spoke about the Floyd Brink matter now, but I would like to remind you of the, the, when she presided over the unlawful removal of the former mayor of the city. And from our knowledge, Makubelo will always be remembered for her misapprehension of the council standing rules. She is a pro when it comes to that. As you say, she has uh, she has definitely fought to uh, remain in her position in the past when there were attempts to remove her. How, how do you um, predict this may affect the balance of power in the city of Joburg? Because there is a very precarious balance of power when it comes to who controls Joburg. Look, currently, Mandy, we are counting on the DA to, to speak to the PA so that we can come back into power and make sure that the city goes back to being stable and that service delivery goes back to being run and that the residents receive the services that we promised them as the public representative. So currently, without Colleen, I'm sure GLU is looking for the next speaker, but we do have capable women and um, men who can take up this role also in the multi-party charter. Nubukhle, thank you. Nubukhle Mtembo, Action SA caucus leader, speaking to us there about developments in the city of Joburg. Always so much flux in the city of Joburg, so much instability. And the latest uh, drama here now is the fact that COPE has fired, uh, well, announced the termination of Colleen Makubele's membership. So that's the, 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 the correct phrasing of that. And if you do drive around Joburg, you'll see these posters for the South African Rainbow Alliance, green posters. Um, it's a new multi-party alliance uh, it's called SARA, the South African Rainbow Alliance. And it's got the face of Colleen Makubele on it. And what Monsieur Lakota and Cope are saying is that they did not sign off on this. They did not agree. But as you've heard from Tiri Madia on the other side of this, there were suggestions that Monsieur Lakota was involved. All of this means for you as a resident in the city of Joburg is that there is no speaker. There is now a vacancy. So there needs to be a new speaker elected. At the same time, there was a court judgment against the appointment of the city manager, Floyd Brink. That is being appealed by the city. So Floyd Brink remains the manager for now. But there's just so much instability in the city of Joburg. 702, the midday report, Monday to Friday. 12 to 1 p.m. 
There is a registration weekend for elections this weekend. So the IEC has been giving a briefing today about its readiness for this weekend's voter registration weekend. They really are targeting young people to try and get them to register. Babalo Ndenze, EWN parliamentary reporter, in that briefing for us. Babalo, good afternoon to you. What is the IEC saying about its preparedness for this weekend? Uh, good afternoon, Mandy. Yes, the IEC says it's uh, ready for this weekend's registration on Saturday and Sunday. Um, they're saying, um, for example, they say they are vote management systems. Uh, these the MDs or devices that we remember from the local government elections a couple of years ago were, you know, a problem and parties were complaining about them and how they captured votes. They're saying they've upgraded all these VMDs now to a... Uh, you know, an Android 11, this is the latest operating system, Android operating system, which they say is seamless and easy to use. Uh, the scanning of IDs will be, will be quicker. It will take quicker time to scan people's IDs. Uh, so they're saying they've, you know, done these and they've addressed these matters. They've also, you know, dealt with matters about, you know, registration of people abroad and they've finalized their online voter registration capability to allow people to register online to be included on the voters' roll, even though they are living in another country. So that's also some of the issues that they say they've managed to prepare for this weekend's um, registration. But there are some challenges that were picked up during that dry run. So they had a, a, I guess they took one of the weekends during the year to run, to do a dry run. And they say they did experience some challenges. And one of these was really um, that the, the system couldn't manage the load or there was just not enough, you know, um, the database couldn't handle the load. And they are addressing this, um, you know, going into this weekend. And they say they as far as staff is concerned, you know, the people that they've employed on the ground, they say this is also a matter that is also ready. They're saying there's staff readiness and they've been able to recruit 100% of their staff and they have more than adequate enough staff to run this weekend, Mandy. Any concerns uh, that they have aside from the, the technical issues? We know weather has, has played a role this week as well in Gauteng. Is there anything else that they're worried about? Um, yes, look, there are concerns. Most of the concerns are really from the committee members and the, or the obvious concerns of load shedding, you know, and these are matters that IC is obviously prepared for and the issues around load shedding. But the, the, as far as the latest of this hailstorm in, in, in Hauteng or Johannesburg specifically, that was not really a, a matter that was raised by members, but there are definitely concerns going forward. Like, for example, you know, the, the online registration is not exactly 100% according to some members of the committee. And they've also raised issues around, you know, Targeting of the youth that you mentioned earlier in your introduction. Um, the IEC, funny enough, Mandy, says that you know, social media influencers have not done much in encouraging young people to come and vote. So people that you see on, on social media, you know, um, doing social media campaigns or celebrities, that has not helped the IEC. But they do say that they are targeting young people, you know, um, working with the Department of Basic Education, getting young people. And they're saying that, you know, what they've noticed as well is that People that they've seen registering online using the online system are people with ID numbers of people that are in high school or in um, so it's really young people are coming to the party as far as using these online platforms to register and they think they're also targeting these youngsters on other social media platforms like TikTok, Mandy. Interesting. Babalo, thank you. Babalo Ndenze, EWN parliamentary reporter, giving us an update there on that briefing by the IEC. I wonder what the trick is here. 
to get young people to register to vote. If you look at a lot of the research that has been done, a lot that has been written about young people and the apathy rates, it's not just an apathy to, to go out and vote. It's a, a disgruntlement with a lack of service delivery. Many people saying that, uh, not that they just don't want to vote, but what's the point of voting? Because they are not getting what they want from their elected officials. So what is the trick? Um, if influences are not working, do they then look to TikTok as an example? How do you convince young people to go out and register to vote? What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Good afternoon, Mandy. Hey, this Colette Makubele story is just, you know, it would be laughable only if it were not impacting on a job or previous job, I don't know, as a councillor and as a speaker of council in the city of Johannesburg. But obviously on the front, has she said anything, you know, about her supposed dismissal from the party? And also has the party taken her through a disciplinary hearing or they just wake up and just say, you're fired, you're out? But yeah, it's very unfortunate what's happening with uh, political power in the city of uh, Johannesburg. This is Andy here in Brantisha, Soweto. Yo, it is difficult to get a job, I'm not going to lie to you, especially for us people that are living with disability. It is difficult. The only thing that we need to do is to get the social grant or disability grant, nothing else. It is difficult, I don't know why. Just imagine how much more to the people who are not, who are not disabled. It is also difficult for them. So. It's not easy in South Africa to get a job, especially when you have a disability. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you. Thank you very much for that WhatsApp, uh, those WhatsApp voice notes. Uh, it's been a while since I've been called Wendy. So thanks for that. Uh, so, so look, on this issue of Colleen Makubele, um, as Tilly told us, she's having a press conference tomorrow, it seems. So maybe we'll get some clarity on that. But it does affect uh, the, the just what goes on in the city of Joburg, all of this instability. And I did ask for uh, your experience, anecdotal evidence, experience of whether or not it's easy to get a job. The stats, SA numbers are out. We'll speak to the statistician, Jen a bit later on in the show. Uh, but now let's go to the Gold One mine where there are still simmering tensions over a labour dispute. Remember, this is uh, something that we have covered on the Midair report uh, with uh, those huge numbers of, uh, of miners being held hostage, uh, sitting in different variations of versions of events of what happened there. Nukukaniam Tambo, EWN reporter, has gone back to the Gold One mine and is there for us now. Nukukanya, tell us about what uh, the different unions and the different mine workers have been telling you. Good afternoon, Mandy. So firstly, we're not seeing the sort of dramatic scenes that we saw yesterday with the protests from the workers from the mine. Uh, yesterday, there was burning of tyres and even one of the cars from the NUM representative was burnt during during the protest. But certainly nothing uh, of sim- similar scenes today. In fact, from what I understand, uh, the protesters and the workers from Gold One have been put off by the inclement weather. And so they thought to stand down today. But what we do understand is that they will continue to protest protest, uh, trying to put pressure on management to fast track that balloting process that would see uh, possibly see AMCO being added as a union to represent um, workers there. Uh, so that's where we stand. But the community members, uh, Mandy, are now worried 
more than anything, that they're being caught in the cross uh, fires of this protest and this labor dispute. What should have been an internal matter is now playing out on the streets, and they're saying this is impacting their ability to get around. They're, you know, they've got fears that. Um, after seeing one of the cars being burnt yesterday, that they might also be caught in the crossfires uh, and are worried. Uh, and they, in essence, want a meeting with the mine management as well as AMCU, NUM, the Department of Mineral Resources, as well as Labour, uh, to get a sense of how exactly this matter is going to be resolved and when it's going to be resolved so that they're not caught uh, in the middle of it. And so we spoke to one of the community representatives, uh, Melissa Cronier, who, who, who told us and just detailed some of those concerns um, as we stand at the moment, Mandy. And I'll have you listen to what Melissa uh, was saying about what the community in the surrounding area is saying about their concerns. It's a labour dispute that should be dealt with internally, but it's escalated to the streets. That the community, the relationship that is formed is with Gold One and its employees and the contractors, not between Gold One Amku, Nome, the employees, the contractors, the residents have been affected through this process and adversely affected. A, a, lady, a young lady had to write a matric paper yesterday. Um, there was mm-hmm. the strike action that transpired really had an effect on her because she has the right to write matric. And she didn't sign up with us. Not one of the residents signed up with us. They've, they've lived in peace, but now they want to have their voices heard. And the mind's been very silent towards us as the residents. They communicate with a few invested parties, but what about us as the residents that stay there? Thank you to Nokukaniam Tambo for sending us that audio and giving us that report from the Gold One Mind. What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Good afternoon, Mandy. Mandy, what do you think about this Kakasia Jobek and Colleen Makubele and the coup who are not coping at all? As South African, do we really need this kind of carcass next year after the election, really, Mandy? Because it's the blind leading the blind. You don't know the next day what might happen in your councillor or so. It's so very sad what the political game is playing itself in this country from Maxwell in Pretoria. Hi, Mandy. I think one of the biggest reasons that the youth aren't voting is that they just don't feel represented by anybody in politics in this country. Um, And on a broader scale, I think globally. And why would you vote when you feel that nobody is catering to any of your concerns? If politicians want the youth to vote, they need to start paying attention to the issues that the youth are concerned about. Thank you very much uh, for those WhatsApp voice notes. I think those two things are actually related because when you see what happens in the city of Joburg and these issues around the, the caucus and what's going on um, and and how nothing actually gets done because there's so much political infighting and politicians are concerned with their own preservation than they are with service delivery, people don't want to vote, so there is apathy. But when you look at the research that's been done around young people and why they are choosing not to vote, it's not necessarily apathy, it's dissatisfaction. And I do think that comes down to representation. The ANC has always made this big thing about generational mix. 
how they want old people and young people and they try and get young people in. Um, but I don't think that is is necessarily true in reality. I don't think there is sufficient representation and I don't think we do have the young politicians out there. Um, I think that there, there are some that have started their own political parties, but, but I don't think there's true, true uh, generational mix. So you may feel differently to me. And I think that uh, this happens when you have politicians who are in their early 70s who are leading political parties. And I think that that is a big issue when it comes to getting young people to vote. 702. The Midday Report with Mandy Weiner. Let's walk the talk. The quarterly labor force survey for the third quarter of this year is out. The official unemployment rate was 31.9% in the third quarter. It's still very, very high, even though we've had an improvement. So what it tells us is that the number of employed people in the country increased by just under 400,000. So now there are 16.7 million people who have jobs Think about how many do not have jobs. Let's unpack the data further with Resinga Maroleke, the Statistician General. Statistician General, as always, welcome to the Midday Report. Great to have you on air. Mandy, let me greet you and greet the 702 listeners. Thank you very much, uh, Statistician General. So take us through the numbers uh, in terms of the improvement in the general employment rate. Well, for starters, uh, we are saying that in terms of the number of those that are employed, we are sitting at 16.7 million persons employed. And this is the way higher uh, than where we were in, in pre-COVID times. Remember, for three quarters prior to what uh, when we were hit in the first quarter of 2020, when we were at the highest levels of COVID-19, we were sitting at 16.4 million people employed. So the 16.7 million people is the first time we see ourselves higher than uh, pre-COVID times. And that means that we are seeing recovery of jobs that were lost because of COVID, but also growth because we have surpassed the 16.4 million persons employed. Having said so, this is the eighth consecutive quarter that we are seeing increases in the number of those that are employed. Having seen the highest in quarter two, 2022, Mm -hmm. and indeed this is the second highest. So with an increase in terms of employment and a decline in the number of those that are unemployed, and when we look at both the unemployed and the discouraged work seekers and other categories of not economically active, we are seeing that as they decline, they are actually moving into employment. Then that actually returns an unemployment rate of 31.9%, which is actually 0.7 percentage points lower than what we reported in the second quarter. And what is driving the improvement? Which sectors have uh, have increased the, uh, the, the jobs numbers? Finance has gained 237,000 jobs quarter on quarter. It is followed by community and social services at 119,000 jobs, agriculture 61,000 jobs, construction, which has been depressed for quite some time, uh, I mean recovered 53,000 jobs. So these were the biggest contributors.
We've been speaking uh, quite a bit about young people in South Africa when it comes to to apathy and dissatisfaction. A lot of that, of course, is is led by unemployment. But there has been a, a slight improvement in the unemployed youth, but they remain the the most unemployed sector, if we can put it like that. Well, firstly, we must uh, uh, appreciate that in South Africa we have what we uh, call structural unemployment. The skill set that we have do not match the jobs that are being made available. Now, when you look at that, younger people relatively, especially people in age cohorts 15 to 24 years, haven't gained the skills. So as such, young people 15 to 24, as well as those 25 to 34, their unemployment rate remains the highest in the country. It's even more when they are women, black African women in particular. And having said that, of young people 15 to 24 years, out of the 10.2 million that uh, they are, 3.3 million are not in employment, education or training. Sure, that's a frightening number. Statistician General, thank you very much. Uh, Appreciate your time. Thank you, Mandy. And let me thank the listeners. Resenga Maloleka, the Statistician General at StatsSA, breaking down those numbers for us. And, and, and that's why there's so much dissatisfaction, so much apathy amongst young people. So if you, if you look at that breakdown, so in the third quarter of this year, the total number of unemployed youth between the ages of 15 and 34 uh, years old decreased by 174,000. So that's a slight improvement uh, to 4.6 million while there was an increase of 237,000 in the number of employed youth to 6 million. I mean, that's just crazy numbers when you think about that and the unemployment rate. But overall, the picture is a slight improvement. The fact that we are now better than pre-COVID employment rates. 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. Well, let's go to the courts now. The Senzo Miwa trial underway. The Zandile Gomere trial also underway. Let's start in Pretoria with Khomoto Modise, EWN reporter. Khomoto, good afternoon to you. Yesterday we had that judgment in this matter around whether or not there could be admissibility of evidence to do with car tracking uh, to do with the, the trial within a trial. Where are we today? Good afternoon, Mandy. Well, that evidence is actually being used by Sergeant Busuzi Mukhani, one of the investigators, to kind of follow his steps, to follow the route that the escort that carried Bongani Danzi took on the day that he was taken to make that confession. And he's been going through the data really um, very slowly and gradually this morning as we can't get a sense of the day that it was. And I think for me today... It's been really interesting to see what a long day Bongani and Danzi had on the 19th of June 2020, especially after the fact that at the day before, he'd had that long drive with police from the Kalsaman police station where Mohani had told the court that he didn't take him back to his cell because he thought he'd be bored. If you put all, all of that together, you realize just how much time Danzi was with police in that vehicle and how little time he had in his cell and questions have been asked really around whether he even got an opportunity to sleep. We've been hearing a lot from Mohani about the trips that they made on the 19th after they wrote um, or after he made that uh, confession or signed it at least. And we are hearing from the evidence today uh, just how um, you know this particular vehicle tracking evidence takes notes and record of the very, very minor details from the speeding in the road to a minor stop 
And the state believes that, you know, the clarity from this evidence is really what's needed to determine whether any suspicious stops were made uh, to see whether Bongani Ndanti could have been assaulted as he's claimed. Khamoto, thank you very much. Khamoto Modise, EWN reporter, giving us an update there on the Senzo Mayiwa trial. That is one matter that we are watching for you, that trial within a trial, uh, and the fact that that evidence is now being led. Yesterday, there was that judgment in the matter uh, saying that uh, the police officer could use that evidence of the car tracking, the vehicle tracking, to give an indication of where exactly they went and whether or not there there was an um, admission by one of the accused in this matter. Mindy, honestly, honestly, the city of Joburg has become like something from a musical chair. Um, but, but like, uh, I heard you, the court order that uh, essentially invalidated the appointment of the city manager, isn't there, wasn't there like an enforcement order? Uh, and, and my understanding is, if that's the case, shouldn't the, 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 the high court judgment uh, take effect whilst even being appealed? Yeah, I can, but and again, I really like the the woman, um, you know, Colin Macabella. She she, I remember when she she was appointed. I mean, this controversy. I really, I really, I really liked her. Prince, best review. Hey, Prince, thank you. Uh, so on that issue of the court judgment against uh, the appointment of Floyd Brunk, my reading of that judgment was that uh, pending the appeal, he remains the city manager. So he remains the city manager for now whilst that court process uh, continues. Also, the judge, and I read this out on air, it was the acting judge, Judge Stephen Budlander, if I remember correctly, uh, using the example of Sean Abrahams as the National Director of Public Prosecution, saying that whatever decisions were made whilst he was the city manager remain uh, decisions they should not be um, discarded at all because who knows how wide that net could fall so as things stand at the moment Floyd Brink is still uh, the city manager but yes all of this uh, does lead to just so much instability in the city of Joburg and, and it is a bit laughable it is a bit of musical chairs having six different mayors in three years whatever it was I can't remember um, but the fact that we are now going to get a new speaker we could get a new city manager as well what is that mean for the balance of power uh, Sipo on the WhatsApp line saying Mandy youth votes is a myth Tito and Gagaba were shining youth politicians but never drove big youth votes EFF would be in government not waiting if the youth vote uh, if you took voting for youth seriously that's from Sipo what do we do about the youth vote in South Africa 702 the midday report Monday to Friday 12 to 1 p.m. So yesterday we told you about uh, the response to a stabbing incident uh, of a CPUT, Cape Town University of Technology, Cape Peninsula University of Technology student um, uh, who was stabbed by her boyfriend slash husband who appeared in court yesterday. The Democratic Alliance has been speaking about this, condemning the deeply distressing incident that occurred over the weekend. They are going to go to the Cape Peninsula University of Technology tomorrow. Uh, about this. Chantal King is the DA Shadow Minister of Higher Education. Chantal, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time today. The DA is going to be conducting an oversight visit at CPUT uh, tomorrow with university management. What are you seeking to do? Um, We're just uh, trying to figure out the security measures that were in place at the private accommodation residence because there are certain norms and standards that need to be adhered to. Um, and we just want to go and find out um, 
an idea of how this issue could have occurred and how the perpetrator actually got access to the residence with um, a dangerous weapon. Chantal, um, sorry, there is a bit of disruption in, in the background there. I'm sure you're just moving around. Uh, this is obviously a much broader issue. It's not an isolated incident. We know it came on the back of, of a march against gender-based violence. Um, and this is, is perhaps a broader issue to look at at uh, institutes of, of higher education. It is exactly one of the broader issues, especially now that they've included the Mentalities Program, which I believe is actually a good program in conjunction with higher health. Um, And that is also the issues that we would like to see how we can assist institutions in ensuring the proper rollout of the Mentalities Program um, in order to raise more awareness um, of the scourge of GBV at institutions of higher learning. Chantal, thank you very much. Uh, Chantal King is the DA Shadow Minister of Higher Education. The DA will be going to the uh, Cape Peninsula University of Technology uh, tomorrow where a male student stabbed a female student. The update there is that she uh, she is okay. She's in hospital. She is recovering according to the latest reports that I read. 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. A lot of people in Gauteng still uh, counting the cost of that hailstorm yesterday. Golf balls falling in some areas in Bramfontein, in Midrand. And the Weather Service is warning residents of Gauteng that the storms could continue uh, today, but they will be less intense. Meanwhile, they're also warning Cape Tonians of high temperatures and dangerous uh, fire conditions. Uh, so let's speak to emergency services, and then we'll bring you the latest from the Weather Service as well. Robert Mulauzi is the EMS spokesperson in Joburg. Robert, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. What is the extent of the damage that we saw uh, taking place yesterday as a result of that storm? Yes, the damage was extended because most of the most of the areas like you Midrand, also Sentin, we had a lot of report of Robert, I'm just going to stop you quickly. I'm sorry. There's just a problem with your line. So we're going to put you on hold. We'll sort out that line. In the interim, let's speak to Elizabeth Fulion, the SA Weather Service spokesperson. Elizabeth, we saw golf balls falling from the sky in some parts of Joburg yesterday afternoon and and evening. Um, This is not entirely unusual, uh, is it, for for Joburg when it comes to hailstorms like this? Hi, good afternoon, Mandy. Yes, so absolutely, you are correct. This is severe thunderstorm season for Gauteng. So this is when we do experience these types of storms, unfortunately, because that's just the way we are, where we're situated for this time of the year. This is very much normal, um, where we do have these large amounts of small hail. So we saw that too. We saw a lot of roofs collapsing, especially like shade netting. So the, in some cases, the hail wasn't even that big, but it was because it was such a large amount of the small hail that caused all that pressure and the weight of that caused things to collapse. And then, as you rightly said, we had large hail as well. The golf ball size hail was also experienced, especially in the Midrand area yesterday afternoon. Is that something that you could predict as an example? Sometimes insurance companies send out early warnings um, to their, their members. Could you have predicted that as a weather service and said, hey, get your cars under cover? Yes, yeah, so what we did have yesterday, we did issue out our normal forecast and we were going for thunderstorms. However, once we saw what our forecasters saw on the radar, so that's only showing what is currently happening. A radar can't be used to see what 
going to happen tomorrow. That's just showing what's currently happening within that storm cell. And once they saw, oh, look, no, this looks like something is going to be severe, they did issue out that warning. But what it was is really it was one isolated storm that caused all that havoc. So it was one storm that just moved through that midrand and the surrounding areas causing all those problems. So, yes, we were able to see it, but your time for something like that, your lead time is so short, unfortunately. Right. Uh, and what are we expecting for, for Gauteng? Because uh, I understand that there are more storms expected. And in Cape Town, there's a heat warning. <laughs> yes. So in Gauteng for today, once again, we are looking at a 30% chance of some thunderstorms. So at this stage, we don't have a warning out for anything becoming severe, but the forecasters will closely monitor that situation and, of course, issue out any warnings if needed. You would have also noticed that there was a drop in temperature today in Gauteng. So it's a little bit more cooler. And But tomorrow, we're going to start seeing a bit of a steady increase until the weekend. So we are expecting things to warm up again. It's a bit cloudy today, but that's going to change from tomorrow where we will start to experience a bit of warming in Gauteng. In contrast, down in another city, we've got some offshore winds. So winds blowing from the interior down to the coast, so it's hot and dry. And that's why we've issued that advisory, extremely high discomfort. So it's hot and dry winds causing this discomfort and resulting in high temperatures. In the mother city, so in Cape Town itself, we're expecting it to reach 32 today and tomorrow. But from Thursday, significant drop. We're only expecting a maximum temperature of around 23 degrees. So quite a contrast then on Thursday. And that's going to continue to drop into the weekend where from Saturday we are expecting a chance of rain. And the temperature on Saturday is only going to reach a high of 20. So we are expecting some cooler temperatures coming down there as well. Elizabeth, thank you so much. Elizabeth Fulion is the SA Weather Service uh, spokesperson, a forecaster, giving us an update there on what else we can expect. Let's go back to Robert Mulawuti now, the emergency services spokesperson uh, in Joburg. Robert, uh, hopefully we've we've got you back on a better line. You were telling us about the damage from yesterday's storm and and uh, what that looks like. Yeah, uh, thank you very much, Mendy. Uh, the damages were mostly vehicles, private vehicles, in most of the residential areas. Uh, even also the parking base. We only had an injury of one person in Soweto who fell into a drainage system. And also in Marlboro, we also had some households which were flooded, which we managed to assist uh, to manage that situation. We didn't have to evacuate uh, anyone uh, or in that area. So, so far, I would say, and also that incident in uh, the a roof collapse at the Southern Sun Hotel, of which also we didn't have any uh, injuries. So I would say generally it was mostly vehicles which were which were damaged. So in our uh, low-lying areas, mostly in our informal settlements, we didn't really record a major incidents in those areas. However, we still have our monitoring teams in all seven regions. We're still encouraging our motorists out there to... Uh, exercise caution as and when driving because we saw yesterday I was mean we had a problem with the motorists using the emergency lane so it was very much difficult for us to move from one area to the other you know our various units moving from one area to the other because of the motorists were using the emergency lane which we were supposed to use so I'm just hoping that going forward our uh, listeners out there will understand that that uh, uh, area is 
strictly mm. reserved for emergency services so that we can be able to get to wherever we're supposed to get to uh, in case yeah. of emergencies. Yes. Robert, thank you so much. Uh, Robert Mulauti, EMS spokesperson. Lots of people still counting the costs. I think insurance companies will be affected. Uh, and the question there is, I know some people did not get uh, messages beforehand saying that they needed to, to get their cars undercover. There's a hailstorm coming. But as Weather Service explained, there just wasn't sufficient lead time. And unfortunately, that's going to hit your pocket.